when I think about what leadership in, in healthcare looks like to me and, and what my understanding of leadership is, I mean, when I think about leadership, I think about how can one person or a group of people support everyone around them to achieve the broader goal, right? Or achieve their own individual goals, right? Because I think when I've seen good and strong leaders, um, they've always been tremendously um, invested in my own success and wanting to make sure that I feel empowered to succeed. And that's that's a risky thing for leaders to do, right? I think whenever you give decision-making abilities to other people, you're kind of putting yourself out there because you're held accountable for what that person decides. Um, but if you ever want to see your own people grow, it's through those opportunities and those experiences that they do grow. From Vernissage Health, this is Built to Lead, a show where we talk to emerging and established leaders from all levels within the healthcare sector in the hope of breaking boundaries, inspiring hope, and redirecting views on what the landscape of healthcare leadership is and can be. Welcome back to the Built to Lead podcast, a student-led initiative made to uncover what it takes to be a great leader in today's healthcare system. Thank you for tuning in to our third episode of the season. In our last two episodes, we had the chance to hear from the healthcare leadership insights of faculty and students from the IHPME. For this episode, we reached out to four recent IHPME alumni to hear about their experiences and how they transitioned from being students to actively pursuing leadership positions in our community. On today's episode, we're lucky to have Ryan Hines, Madeline Cooper, Royce Jean-Louis, and Dr. Ali Damji. Ryan graduated from the Master of Health Administration program and is currently the Community Engagement Lead for the Toronto Central Lynn. In his role, Ryan works to ensure that the voices of those in our community are heard and translated back to shape what the future of our healthcare system can look like. Ryan is also leading the Access and Outreach Program for the Dalalana School of Public Health, where he works to inspire young leaders from underrepresented communities to pursue careers in public health. Madeline is an alumni from the Master of Health Informatics Program. She has cultivated a passion for health and wellness from a young age and is currently interested in digital transformations in healthcare. Madeline currently works at the Women's College Hospital Institute for Health System Solution and Virtual Care. In her role, she works to manage the hospital's market entry consulting program, where she advises healthcare technology startups on how to enter the Ontario healthcare system. Royce is also an alumni from the Master of Health Informatics program and is currently working as a research methods specialist at the Slate Family Centre for Youth in Transition at CAMH. In his role, Royce predominantly works in data management and in a technical research capacity in neuroinformatics with early psychosis data in teenagers. Dr. Ali is an alumni from the Master of Health Systems Leadership and Innovation program and is currently engaged in our healthcare system as a family physician, an educator, and a researcher. Ali practices family medicine and is the Quality Improvement Director at the Credit Valley Family Health Team. Additionally, Ali is a clinical investigator at the Institute for Better Health, which is the research branch of Trillium Health Partners, where he works to research the best new methods to improve healthcare and to improve the patient experience. So as we've recorded a couple of episodes and progressed through our courses at the IHPME, one of the things that I've found a common theme to be is that unites healthcare leaders um, is the desire to affect change in the healthcare system. So to start off this episode, we wanted to hear from our guests on how they're affecting change as recent alumni uh, in their various roles at different organizations. And we received quite a few uh, different answers. Yes, I agree. Um, we've learned so much from our conversation with all of our guests. Um, it's been so interesting just to see the parallel 
between their perspectives of leadership in the healthcare system. The purpose of this podcast is to inspire hope in the next generation of health leaders and to make a positive impact in our community and society, which is the ultimate goal of just transforming the future of healthcare. And this can be done on the macro or micro, which could be the grassroots level. And Ali just talks about how we influence a major change on the macro level. So we'll just see the impact that he was able to instill. So I would say that the benefit that I've been able to bring to the organizations uh, has been that energy and that fresh perspective and uh, the ideas that I've cultivated during my training at IHPME. So, for example, one of the areas where I found I've been able to make a lot of impact has been in the area of virtual care. So as people who are so familiar with technology, who grew up with uh, the internet and grew up with uh, the advent of smartphones, apps, and all of these technologies, mm-hmm. it's really second nature for us to be using these types of models. And so coming into healthcare and, and working as a family doctor and being a resident, there were many times where I would remark on that and think, you know, there must be an easier way to do this. Why am I still using a fax machine to send mm-hmm. a referral to a specialist? Why can't I just securely communicate with my patient instead of having to play phone tag with them uh, every day just to tell them about a normal blood work result? And so when I came into practice and, and because of the experience I'd had with quality improvement and, and system reform and system design and change management, I think the virtual care piece, especially in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic, Mm -hmm. has been where I've been able to really make a large impact. So uh, within the hospital, I'm responsible for co-leading the virtual assessment centers for COVID. So uh, there's a counterpart of mine who specializes in quality improvement for the hospital. Uh, And he and I uh, work together quite closely in order to uh, design the virtual pathways to assess patients. And we've actually been able to avoid a lot of in-person assessments of patients with suspected COVID, uh, which has uh, likely uh, contributed significantly to uh, reducing the transmission risk because of uh, limiting close contact of people. Uh, Within my family health team, I've been leading virtual care adoption of different tools within our team. Uh, So these have included uh, adopting video platforms, uh, helping optimize uh, some of our visits as well and some of our workflows like telephone visits um, in order to uh, better serve our patients during the pandemic, but also long term uh, to create a a more, what I would say, appropriate practice for 2020, if if Mm. that makes sense. Uh, You know, a practice that uh, really is responding to the new demands and the new realities that exist in healthcare. So uh, that's been some of the work. And I have phenomenal colleagues that I work with at the team that have been so supportive and so willing to to embrace these types of changes. So uh, that's been really, really exciting. And then the Mm. last piece has also been trying to work at a regional level as well uh, to further promote uh, virtual care. So I'm involved with some of the work around the Ontario health teams. I sit on the Mississauga-Halton Primary Care Network, which is a new grassroots organization of family doctors responsible for um, advocating for changes in primary care in the context of these new Ontario health teams. And one of the areas where I'm bringing some expertise is virtual care and uh, really trying to promote the adoption of these tools within family practices across our region. Um, Mm -hmm. and also ultimately across uh, our province too. So um, that's where I think being sort of a new grad from IHPME, understanding some of the trends in healthcare coming into these roles, that's been really beneficial uh, for me. Mm -hmm. So as you can see that change can be done on the macro level and that can have a major impact on patients on a whole. But a lot of times we think that making an impact has to be some huge initiative. But sometimes the simplest ideas and the smallest change can have enormous effect kind of reminds me of a water ripple 
it starts small, but it gradually expands its reach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it can be really daunting to think that you have to make such a huge change. Although Ali did share such a remarkable story. I think it's kind of on theme uh, during this COVID-19 pandemic that there are lots of huge changes happening in the healthcare system uh, just because of the climate. But in general, you can also make a lot of change just by small differences. And I think it's also really important to acknowledge it's important to kind of keep pushing forward. And Madeline talks about this. Uh, She shared a story with us about how she was able to affect change on a micro level. Part of my role is around managing our market entry consulting program. And so within this portfolio of work, one of my roles is to bring together the right people um, and the right materials so that our team can do their jobs better. And so earlier this year, I made a little change, which was to build more time together as a team in advance of meeting with a client to ensure that we were aligned and cohesive. So this was a really small change, but it did have a really big impact. In addition to having an impact for our team and for our clients, I also think that it influenced my personal understanding of leadership in healthcare more broadly, because I think there can be a tension around what it means to be a high performer versus what it means to be a leader. And so in this scenario, I think that, and and I guess the big differentiator is that leadership is about helping others perform. Mm-hmm. And so in this particular situation, I was able to make a small change that actually led to our team performing better as a whole. And so it was actually about helping others perform internally. And then hopefully that could also be external as our clients can receive a better service. It's so interesting to hear Madeline talk about um, her experience with making a small change and how that informed her understanding of leadership. I think that idea of helping others improve is really common, um, not only among, not only for Madeline, but just for a lot of other guests that we've had as well on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting. It's kind of like the idea of knowledge transfer. If you can, you know, help someone else improve, or you can share information with someone else, even though that might be small, like you said, it can have a ripple effect and everyone else can be more aligned um, and have a better understanding. And so, yeah, just hearing Ali and Madeline talk about how they're contributing to changing healthcare, it kind of had me reflect on, you know, when do you have that shift between, okay, I'm a student and I'm focused on learning to I'm now a professional and actually able to make those changes. um, And I have the skills and the kind of like the position to do that. So it's interesting to learn about the different skills and experiences that you need to transition from student to professional. Yeah, you talk about that mindset shift. For that to happen, I think you really need that self-awareness. I think self-awareness is that key ingredient for improvement. So that what helps us know what our gaps are. And once we know what our gaps are, then we can address them. But the only issue is, well, some people might see it as an issue, but this really opens us up to vulnerability. And we must be comfortable with that because without allowing ourselves to be vulnerable, we're pretty much limiting our ability to grow mm-hmm. and to mature into our new roles, into our new self. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely all about, I think, being self-reflective about where your gaps are and having an understanding of those, which kind of opened up the next point of discussion with our guests about you know, the balance between showing your vulnerability and understanding where your gaps in knowledge and skills may be, but then also in contrast, you know, knowing when you are prepared for a situation and coming in and saying, no, I actually am the expert maybe in this topic. So yeah, we did speak about that with our guests. So for me, I would say one of the biggest challenges to me and, and one of the times when I felt the most vulnerable um, was when, when I had just started to work for the Lynn 
uh, back when I was still at Linda. And, and so before I got into communication, I was working with the strategy team. So I was with, with the VP of strategy and we were leading different strategic projects and strategic initiatives. And one of my initiatives I was put into and put into a kind of a leadership role for that particular initiative was really leading um, a team of, um, so five different teams in one in each, back in back when they were separated into subregions. Um, so those teams were um, being guided through quality improvement initiatives specific within each different subregion, right? But I was very, very new to the system, obviously. And the teams that I, were, that I was leading were teams of directors, managers, people that were much more senior than I was, much more knowledgeable than I was within the system. And I, and I, and I, and, and I was called to lead five teams of those people. Um, and so for me, that's where I felt, you know, like, am I, am I the right guy for this? Like, am I going to mess this up? Like, I, you know, are they, am I going to walk into the room and say something and they're all going to look at me like, what's this guy talking about? You know what I mean? And so for me, it was, it was definitely a challenge. And I think what I would recommend to people, maybe how I got past that challenge was being honest about it. And I think just honesty and transparency is always key to some degree. And I think for me, it was, it was saying to people, well, look, here's what I am knowledgeable at. I know quality improvement. I do know that. I don't know all the context that you guys work in. You guys have worked in this for 10, 15 years, and, and I'd be foolish to give you recognition of what you should do. But I do know about what, what quality improvement looks like within this, within this sphere. And so work with me, I'll work with you. And um, I think, you know, when I didn't come down as a, in a paternalistic kind of way and just show that, well, I just want to work in a collaborative way using my strengths and leveraging all of our strengths that we can get this thing done. I think that to me was the, was what was, was what kind of got me through that. And I think for any student that's coming out, graduating, becoming an alum, what do you want to do? You want to not go in there and pretend you know all the answers, be very, very open to just learning and be open that um, you're willing to work in a collaborative way. Obviously, one of the things I would say is just to not go into it thinking you have to know everything and also be ready to know everything. I think the number one thing I would say to anybody is just be ready to learn and be ready to be adaptable. Because especially because like whatever you may do in your practicum might or some not all programs have practicums, but Mm -hmm. if you do a practicum or don't do a practicum, whatever you do at school may not translate um, 100% to what you would be doing at work and you know, especially in the, when you're actually working day to day, there are even a lot of menial tasks that didn't require the degree that you got. But um, I would say the number one thing is to um, just have an open mind and just be really, really ready to learn because it's, you can learn a lot and you will most likely end up learning a lot. And when you are, so when you're young in your career, a lot of times you just worried like, I got to make it through. I got to make sure I know I can't have any semblance of incompetency in in me but a lot of times it's okay to not know as long as you are equipped with the tools to figure out that the answer that's like the most important thing i would say to um, any young leader it's i don't i don't know or watch the pursuit of happiness but it's like a scene like i guess when will smith was giving an interview and the guy was like you know i'll tell you like if i don't know then i don't know but like best believe i will find the answer and i think that's probably <laughs> the most like important thing for anybody who's an emergent leader going to their career. What I love about what Royce just said is that you don't need to know everything. That's like a major relief for me because I don't know about you, sir, but there's been certain situations or work-life settings where I felt like if I didn't have the answers, um, I pretty much failed. But that doesn't mean that you walk into the room like, oh, well, I don't know everything just because you're a student. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think when you hear that advice, you don't need to know everything. It can be really hard, I think, to internalize because... 
when you're coming into a new role, especially you feel like you got hired for a specific reason. And you know, if you don't deliver on that expectation, then you're failing. But I think what Royce is getting at here is that there will be times for everybody at all points in their career where they aren't the expert in the room, um, despite all of that hard work that they did to prepare. But it's, yeah, it's finding the balance of, you know, doing the work to be prepared, but then even so being humble and understanding that you're going to learn uh, throughout your entire career. Yeah, but I think that's the key word that you just said, balance. So mm-hmm. I think even I found Madeline, she had a different perspective that I think complemented Royce's viewpoint. Um, yeah, so I think that it's really interesting that um, you started a previous question by saying that you thought I was a very outgoing person. And <laughs> and I appreciate that. And, and what I found to be really interesting is as I entered the workplace, um, so I should note, I am a pretty outgoing person with friends and family, and I'm used to having to speak loudly and quickly. I grew up with a family, with a very large family, where if you didn't speak loudly, nobody would hear you. And if you didn't speak quickly, the conversation would have moved on already. So that was something that I was used to and comfortable with. But in the workplace, I found it a lot harder to um, speak up and really take my place at the table. And I think that this is a common experience for people who are early on in their careers. And I found that when I was kind of struggling in a room to speak up and really contribute to the conversation, I made a point, I made it a point to seek out the individuals in the room and and to actually build one-on-one relationships with them. So that way, when I was in a room with a bunch of people who maybe intimidated me at the beginning of, of my career, Um, I was actually able to then feel like I was having conversations with each individual as opposed to looking at a room and feeling intimidated. But I think a lot of the ways to build confidence early on is just by talking to people, trying to build those types of relationships, and then also really trying to know your stuff. So if you're going into a meeting, you have to be confident. and, And one of the ways to be confident is to really know what you're talking about. So if you know you have a meeting about the color of the sky, you really need to look and figure out what color the sky is at all different times of day so that you can be the expert in the room. And so I think that there's a number of different um, aspects that kind of play into feeling confident. And part of it has to do with identifying what the challenges that each individual might have as they enter the workplace because they're not the same for everybody. Yeah. So it's kind of a contrast to what Madeline talked about um, it's, you know, the difference between showing your vulnerability and how that can be important in some situations, um, but also the importance of doing the work and being prepared. And what I really liked about what Madeline said is that she gave us some concrete advice on what to do. Um, And it's actually a tool that I've used as well, which is building one-on-one relationships with people. Um, It can be extremely intimidating, I think, when you're in a room with a large group of people, or even in this case, with uh, the COVID-19 pandemic on a large Zoom call. (laughs) Um, but yeah, you don't feel like there's a space for you to speak and things like that. But if you have a personal relationship with someone, then it becomes so much more, um, comfortable. So I think that coupled with being prepared and doing the research, um, and feeling like you are an expert, I think can really help students. It's, it's a really good advice. So yeah, Sarah, even on zoom, we're talking about being uncomfortable and even today, like this year alone, like we're uncomfortable a lot like a lot of things are being brought to light so there's a lot of sensitive topics that sometimes we haven't been so open to discuss 
which like we talk about the inequalities of access to care for certain people in the light of COVID, we're seeing some of these issues come to light, especially with different marginalized and minority groups in the city and mm-hmm. the world itself. Yeah, absolutely. I think the COVID-19 pandemic really, because everyone was on pause for so long, I think people had no choice but to really like pay attention to things that were happening around them, which normally I think people would probably just discount and, you know, go on with their regular day. And one of the topics that came up uh, during our conversation on the podcast was surrounding um, the challenges that people of color and minorities face when navigating the healthcare system. Um, And I think this can both be as a patient, but also as a healthcare professional working in the system. And so as we know, racism and anti-racist movements have been prominent in the media recently, um, which brought a lot of awareness to the issue that we face in our communities. And Royce was one of the guests who actually uh, brought this up and he was so open and transparent about his experiences. Yes, he really was. And I'm glad he uh, was willing to share this, especially for our listeners in light of today's climate. I feel like it's important for us to discuss. And Royce's experience parallels with stuff that I've experienced in the past and currently I'm experiencing. So we're just going to hear a bit of our discussion between myself and Royce. I think that probably the challenge and I don't know how and I don't I don't know how much of a challenge it is, but it was I guess a challenge for me, and I guess it's, it will be a challenge for a lot of, for other people who may be listening that is not from our program. But I'll say um, the Health Informatics program, um, the practicum to employment um, pipeline is pretty good, um, and the uh, and most of the times I don't know how it will be for um, during the COVID pandemic, so I can only really speak for my year. Um, it's usually fine, but I would say, um, one of the challenges like I've had and it's other people I know had, but not, it wasn't numerous or anything, but, um, was just trying to get that first job and start the right way. Um, after, and for me, it was like very difficult. Like it took me longer than I expected to find it. Um, especially cause if you've been a student, I don't know what your journey or Sarah's journey is, but if you're a student for like from 17 to 20, what was it, from 24 or something, um, you really know everything is more or less has been fine. Like, you know, there's up and downs, maybe a bad midterm, maybe things of that nature, but most of the time you've been fine. Um, but when I was going through that, you know, gauntlet of just applications, interview, no, application, interview, no, and it really, really gets very draining on you. Um, and I, and especially also for like, um, as a, like a visible minority can also give it more draining on you because you don't really know why it is a no, because especially for me, I was getting quite a bit of interviews, but, um, I was getting a lot of no's from them. So you really don't know if you're interviewing bad or is it like a, maybe not an organizational fit. They'll say, I don't know, but it's very difficult to, for you to think about. So I would recommend a lot of people when they're going through like that gauntlet is just to just really, really try to stay as optimistic as possible because, um, and also you never really know some people, you know, it happens fairly quickly within three months or right after, right when they graduate, they know what they're going to do. Or there's sometimes, it, you know, it takes like a while for me to be like, you know, a little over six, seven months. And it just, um, after January when the program is done, but yeah. So it just takes some um, time, but honestly, but honestly, the time was good for me because trusting the process helped because what I ended up getting was something that that was really good and a really good fit for me. And I wouldn't want to work anywhere else right now. No, I think that's, I think that's very important. That's like a real, it's kind of like a stark reality. And yeah. even as you're talking about like today's climate, we're talking a lot about the anti-black uh, racism 
So there's a lot of times where even like when I went into interviews where it felt like I was being marginalized or I wasn't being taken seriously based on my last name. I don't necessarily look like a Matthew Goldburn. So then when I walk into the room, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. people are a little bit, they're a little bit confused. So even yeah. what you're talking about, like maintain that positivity, I think that's important because sometimes you can go through those, like you get, keep getting hit with those challenges and it could pretty much tear you down. Sorry to interrupt your scheduled program, but 2020 has mandated everyone to slow down. Many of us were forced to stay home due to the COVID-19 pandemic. During the thick of the lockdown, many major cities and communities looked like ghost towns, quiet and barren. It had become so quiet that we as a society collectively begun to finally hear the voices of the marginalized. Before, it was hard for us all to recognize but being homebounded seemed to have forced us to listen. Maybe, before this pandemic, people would be too busy with their everyday activities and the anti-black racism movement wouldn't have gotten the attention it deserves. Maybe, before this pandemic, people would be too busy with their everyday lives to notice the disparity of equitable access to healthcare within their cities. Maybe, before this pandemic, people will be too busy to realize the inequities that the social determinants of health plays in healthcare. COVID has been a defining event in healthcare. This is a defining moment in our lifetime as emerging leaders, and it's something that we won't forget. It brought our attention to things that need to change in our health system and society at large. It has taken off the red tape that many health organizations have had when it comes to implementing new and innovative solutions to age-old challenges. Today, we should reflect on our values and where we would like to see the change in healthcare. How will we continue to shed light on inequalities and inequities? Take heart. This is not a time for despair. In fact, it is strangely in an inspiring time and presents a great opportunity to flip the script. And to help inspire, Ryan left us with a positive message for the next generation of health leaders. For me, I'll, I'll, I'll say, like, obviously, we're in a, like, we're in a really... Um interesting time in the world right now, a really, really critical time in the world. I think 2020 came full swinging. <laughs> I think uh, uh, we, 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 we uh, recognize that we're at a time that is ripe for change. I think the healthcare system has been ripe for change for quite some time. And we've seen, you know, what the healthcare system can do in terms of, you know, when we have one common goal, like for example, COVID happened, the system kind of came together, responded and is now moving. That's something that we've been trying to get the system to do for years now. So uh, for me, the thing that I want to, that I would share to students is um, capitalize on the time that is happening right now. Uh, I don't think, obviously I'm new to the system, but even from people that I speak to who've been in for a while, have said they've never seen the system like this so ready for change and they've seen the world so ready for change. And I think for anyone who's, who's coming out of school or who's going to be coming out of school very, very soon, um, you're at a really, really critical time in the system uh, and a really, really critical time to impact change for not just yourself, but your kids, et cetera, et cetera. And I think this generation, generation to come, has an opportunity to kind of really actualize all the change that's been building momentum for so many years. So I would be so excited graduating now. I think the situation feels like random jobs, whatever, whatever. But, you know, that's very, very, like, that's going to be a small window. Things will eventually open up and once you get in there just know that you're getting in there to disrupt things 
and to make things what you think it should look like. Uh, not just especially what's, what's been going on, but understand how do we get things better for a broader subset of people and how do we get things better than what it's been for the past half many years, right? So um, sure. get excited because we're waiting on y'all. You're listening to Built to Lead. Built to Lead is a student-directed podcast and companion initiative to the Vernissage Health Dialogue series for health leaders. We want to thank the Vernissage Health Partners for their generous support in making this podcast possible. Thank you to the Associated Medical Services, the Dalalana School of Public Health, the Institute of Health Policy, Management and Evaluation, and the Rotman School of Management. Built to Lead is hosted by IHPME students, Sarah Sawaya, that's me, and Matthew Goldborn. Music is composed by Sindhu, and the episode was edited and mixed by Madden and Mitchell Media. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed Built to Lead, make sure to follow, subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend. We're building the health leaders of tomorrow. Madden and Mitchell Media.